Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. We're not recording together today. We are all back to being remote, so hopefully you won't experience any sort of drop-in quality, particularly after the sterling weekend that we've just had of Premier League football. Spurs back on the uh, back on the winning run, a streak of one off the back of some. Uh, actually, would too if you include all things Europa League, but off the back of a fairly ropey few weeks, it's nice to get back to winning ways. Um, on the pod today, Jude Summerfield, Sean Walsh, Hunter Godson, Dan Patch from the Evening Standard. Everyone all right? All good, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. Yeah, decent, thank you. You're good. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it really <laughs> sends enthusiasm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to be buzzing today. Close, close, close. Uh, it's, it's Monday. It's October, you know. I'm reasonably buzzy. And it's the international break. You know, there's, there's reasons not to be buzzy. Could, like, I mean, in theory, we could pie off the pod this week and just talk about the second half of the Liverpool City game. This <laughs> is really good fun. I'm absolutely down for that. <laughs> it's nice watching high quality football, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Peak Barclays. Yeah, sure. Proper Barclays. Action. Lovely stuff, wasn't it? Although, to be fair, it's good afternoon for Spurs as well. There was a, a number of good bits, bad bits, beautiful bits and ugly bits for us to get into. I feel like the perfect spread yesterday that gave us ample... Uh, Ample stuff to go at uh, over the course of the next 40 minutes or so. Um, so let's just go top level, as we always do. Uh, Jude, we'll start with you, mate. What did you make of it yesterday? Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Um, it's just always nice when they win. It's just like, especially going into an international break, it's either you're just going to sit with a feeling for two weeks watching England playing Andorra and Hungary. It does it's never quite the same, is it? But um, that's literally down yeah. the next two weeks. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. There was a nice like uh, redemption arc through the whole thing as well. There are a few players who have been pretty poor in the last three or four weeks who who stood up and had really good games. So uh, yeah, overall, pretty, pretty... Who, who is your redemption arcs? Um, well, I'd say that was the first time I'd seen Emerson play well for Spurs or at least where we saw his his strengths actually come to the fore a bit more. And um, and then Hoybier, who obviously got the goal, I thought was pretty solid throughout as well. So uh, probably those two, really. Yeah. Mm. He said a lot of the right yeah. stuff afterwards as well, Hunter, didn't he, Hoybier? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I've said it on here before, but I, I feel like Hoybier has a bit of a glass ceiling or a ceiling that, um, in his... And what he can put on the pitch, um, and I think sometimes he gets slightly found out because of that. That's not his fault. I think Spurs need to sort of 
work in a way that allows him to best perform. And that's maybe the problem that lots of our players have been having at the moment. But I felt like he was sort of unfairly picked out as having a, an awful game against Arsenal, albeit not a particularly good game. But I just felt that was a, a complete mess. And yesterday was more uh, structured and that allowed him to have a better game. But, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a massive fan of this idea of him as an, an attacking midfielder either. I'm not sold on it. Um, I don't think he is. That doesn't really wash for me. Like I know he has done that, but I just feel like international football is so different. Mm, yeah, it's not. It's not that I don't think he. I don't. I think he has the ability to do it. I just wonder if that's where Spurs are best served. You know, we've got quite a few good attacking players, better than what Denmark have. Um, so for me, he, he he works better in the two, and he did work well in the two. Him and Skip was a, a good balance. Skip sort of doing. A lot of the uh, a lot of the, the running, a lot of the legs in there. Not that he doesn't put in legs, but my goodness, Skip Cook seems to seems to be everywhere. It was nice to have a midfield this week, Shawnee, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Skip's always struck me as like he's not very physically imposing. He's what five ten ish. He's quite scrawny, but he does have this kind of good footballing brain. He always seems to be alert to the danger. I think that's what stood out for me, particularly in the first game of the season against Man City. Like he was always kind of aware of where things were going and where to kind of plug the holes um, and I think with Hoiberg next to him that kind of makes more sense it's a bit more balanced and I think with Hoiberg that he, he's starting to remind me of a bit of slightly like Wenyama not exactly the same but like he's not a pure DM he can carry the ball a little bit but you wouldn't really want to give him the keys to just do that whenever he wants but if you kind of have him in this kind of disciplined role then you're going to get the best out of him and yeah, I thought that it was, I, that was probably the midfielder that I would have picked for yesterday. So it's nice to see that actually did work. And, and Dan, also, I, I mean, I might be completely blinkered here, but I actually felt like the atmosphere was quite good yesterday. In, I suppose I'm comparing that to last year when there was nothing, but there was definitely really like impressive ignition moments where the crowd properly got behind the team. Yeah, I mean, compared to the empty stadium, it was definitely a good atmosphere. <laughs> That's a bar. Shit bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was marginally louder than when there was no people there. Um, no, it, it, it was pretty good, I thought. Um, the fans, there was definitely a moment in the second half as well, or like a period where I think the fans were really responding to what the, the team was doing. I think it was after the, the winner. Uh, and I think that really lifted everyone and, and you could kind of see the fans gradually or hear, and hear the fans gradually getting back on side. And I think that in many respects, that was a bit like what I saw on the pitch. You know, it, it looked like a side who started the game low on confidence, kind of low on belief, and they weren't really sure what they were doing. But it did feel to me as if they grew in kind of conviction and fluency and just started believing a bit more. And then the second goal really gave them belief because it was such a strong response. And I think a similar thing happened in the stadium. It was a kind of ground before kickoff that didn't really know what it wanted or what it was expecting to see. Um, and, and they kind of responded to, um, you know, a much improved performance. Yeah, let's start with that in the good then. Because Hunter, we, we spoke about this off air this morning. Mm. But it would have been so easy, wouldn't it, at one all for us all to kind of panic and for the team to panic. I suppose that's the brightest thing to come from yesterday's game was the fact that Spurs just hit back straight away. Yeah, because uh, just, just before Villa scored, they had sort of shifted the momentum 
in their direction. The, the, the press had slightly dropped off from Spurs, uh, just started to look tired, basically, which we have all, all season around that sort of point. Um, and they capitalised on it. It was a really good goal. It was well worked from their their position, apart from the fact that Spurs seemed to lose, I think, six 50-50s in the run-up to it. Um, but to hit back that quickly, um, really, as I was saying to you this morning, it just takes all the momentum off of their side. Like, you get that adrenaline hit when you when you equalise as a player, obviously, and then you think, right, OK, we've got them now. They're, they're, they're on the back foot. And what Spurs did is something we haven't seen from them in ages, which was, right, what what can we do to respond as quickly and as positively as we can, rather than shying away and and maybe trying to t- um, kill the momentum of the game a little bit? They went right, okay, well, let's open it up and try and try and create a bit of space for who was the best player on the pitch yesterday in Son, and and it really worked. And and it's just a shame that he's had that uh, assist denied from him by a, a rogue own goal, as it's been described. Phenomenal bit of. Um bit of pace wasn't it because I really yeah. thought he'd it well, he made... the goal was like perfect wasn't it like just like yeah. inch perfect like Dyer's up all up to the pitch and then Regulon's down the line and then Son like you said Son's touch looked like it kind of got away with it but he had the pace to get there and then the ball cross was it needed everything to be inch perfect and it was mm. which you know from an Aston Villa perspective that just takes all the wind out of yourselves it just, it's a big old stomach punch when that happens and then you've got to do all the work again and I actually think from that moment on Spurs sort of con- controlled the game fairly well which again is not something we've been able to say much this season yeah very true Jude who stood out for you in terms of the good bits oh well um, oh, we, we should just have a Sonny Lavin I feel because yeah, he was I'm he was the he was the I'm major so yeah he was like I saw loads of people just saying he was the big difference between the two sides and they're absolutely spot on played massive roles in, in the two in the two games and he's sort of He's he's getting that Aaron Lennon vibe about him. When you give him the ball, you just sort of you know something's going to happen. He might shift it left or he might shift it right. And um, yeah, I mean, I know the goal, the, the the first goal was a pretty nice finish, but you know he gets he does get his assist there, and um, he gets a fantasy Premier League assist for the second one. So don't worry about that. Oh, That's he? all grand. Yeah, did he? Get yeah, it yeah, yeah. Fantasy? They're very rogue with those. They'll give them to to anyone who puts it on a plate for an own goal. So he gets he gets three points there. Um, ah. but yeah he just and his and his reaction to the second one as well yeah, it's good. when uh, he went right in like right close to the fans and was just going come on come on um, he loves Spurs and I'm not really sure why he loves them so much but he does <laughs> and it's lovely to see <laughs> it is really nice isn't it Sean like it's just it's so um, what's the word it's just it's kind of like a bit of a relief yeah the se- particularly in the second half it did feel like Son was like the heart of that performance. Like he, it was his team and it was pulsating off it. And I think we'll get to Kane. He was a bit unfortunate not to have a couple of goals, a couple of assists himself. But you feel like Son was the, really the one that kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck to really drag us back into that, drag us to three points. Wait, Sean, and, where, where are we dumping Kane this week? What, what, where does his performance sit for you? I'll, 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 I'll say good. I think good. I think okay. I think I think that's a bit of outcome bias because we actually got the win, so it's fine that he didn't quite get the rub of the green with some of his chances. But it was better from him; like he wasn't like he was shying away or anything. He wasn't doing nothing. At least this time, um, he was in the game. He was involved, and we can sit here and say, "Oh, another day he scores a couple," and you know, he goes into 
the internationals still that Premier League goal, but I'm sure for him, I'm hoping that by the time he comes back, he finally has some kind of motivation to really kind of get going in this club season and realise there is still something to try and fight for because all of a sudden, like after the month of crisis, the table's looking quite rosy for him. <laughs> <laughs> after all that. This morning, yeah, after everything, We're back above all uh, the chat. Yeah, back above high-flying West Ham. Exactly. North yeah. London derby trophy winners Arsenal as well. The unstoppable <laughs> force that is Arsenal. Yeah, we're four points, <laughs> off, four points off top after seven games, which I think if you'd said that at the beginning of the season, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's that's fine. We'll take that. Our goal difference still minus five. Sure, it's not great. <laughs> Nobody said it was all perfect. When you when you concede nine goals in three games, it's not going to look that good. <laughs> but I think yeah. it's minus four now. Minus, minus sorry, four. my bad, my bad. Um, Dan, you were nodding along with Sean's analysis of Harry Kane. Does he make it into the good for you? Yeah, I think Sean hit the nail on the head there. I think if Spurs had lost the game, you would work backwards from the result and say Kane missed two big chances or one big chance and then a half big chance and then you'll put him in the bad but since Spurs won we can afford to be optimistic about it I think and say yeah it was an improved performance he was more involved he nearly got that dreamy assist for Lo who just got stuck in two minds didn't he when he got the ball from Kane's back heel. He didn't know whether to cross or shoot, and he just uh, denied it, which is really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, I think we have to say it's it's kind of encouraging baby steps from Kane. Um, should but, we be putting that in? You know, should we just be putting that in the good full stop? The fact that there was at least three or four chances yesterday. We were like, we should probably be scoring that. Like we're making opportunities again. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing. And obviously midweek, I mean, we we had to caveat everything we said with, you know, the, against the quality of the opposition who were dreadful. But it, it was still kind of further evidence of what we already knew, which is that if you do give Kane the ball in dangerous positions in the box, you know, he, he is still going to score. Um, and I just think there was more of that on Sunday. You know, he was, he was more involved in the final third and he wasn't stuck on the wing or coming back to midfield in a kind of frustrated fashion looking for possession. Um, I still think it's one of Nuno's kind of biggest challenges because, you know, Mourinho, for all his faults, just clearly knew how to get Kane and Son going. And, and Spurs had one sort of set way to score under Mourinho that was really, really effective and, and kept working time and again. And... Two goals from open play is a big improvement um, yes. on Sunday, but there still doesn't feel like you know there's that same kind of go-to way of scoring yet for Nuno. He still hasn't kind of unlocked uh, Kane in the same way that, that Mourinho did. That's it was almost it was almost like last year, wasn't it? Like when you are playing a computer game and then you find out the perfect way to score a goal, and then you just do it over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like we, we have that at all at the moment. And so mm. it was almost, it was just really, it was a relief yesterday to see us create some mm. chances. I do wonder, and, sorry, go on, Dan. Well, I was going to say, and, and as much as the performance was, was a lot better, um, you know, 17 shots, I think, yeah. in total, which was, which was a massive improvement. I a lot of the kind of best moments were just from individual moments of kind of brilliance. Like obviously the second goal was through Sun. Um, there was there was a, a, 
uh, a moment in the first half where Son created a chance by kind of skinning, I think he skinned Matty Cash, just kind of um, sort of rolled him on the touchline and that created a chance. So I didn't see, I still have not seen the kind of attacking patterns and, and you know, the, the phases of play. I'm, I'm seeing kind of individual moments, which are, you know, admittedly the result of, you know, improved kind of midfield play. Another one I'd love to chuck in is Romero. I know he's mm. still got a way to go, but I, Hunter, you must love watching him as, as someone who plays as a centre-back when you play on Saturdays and Sundays. He's just such a good, fun front foot defender, isn't he? He as is a fellow top-level centre-half. <laughs> 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 Romero and Godson at the back. Look, he's the dog to my cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is, you know, he's he's brilliant, and uh, and I'm I'd be willing to watch um, him make several mistakes just playing the way he does because I just think it's so valuable having that sort of super hyper aggressive centre back who can go and win the ball and isn't afraid to be caught in one on one situations. He actually against NS Moura, he almost looked like he was allowing the one on one chances to come down his side I said to you Hainsey there was a couple of times where it looked like he could have won the ball and he was like no I'm just gonna let him have a little run at me go on then mate give it your best shot and he was just (laughs) easily 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 taking the taking the ball off them and um yeah just his passing range is obviously far superior to Dyer or Sanchez as well which obviously you know we we became used to a certain level of distribution (laughs) from the centre-back position um and I, I think Again, he's very young. He's gonna he's gonna make a few mistakes, but it looks like we've signed a, a bit of a gem there. I'm I'm kind of still surprised that no one else was interested or no one else got him. Um, so I suppose to Levy and Co deserve a lot of credit for that. But um, there's a couple of dreamy pings in there, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, there was, and some overhit ones as well. But like that's you know you want him to be trying it, and um, I think he improves us. Already he improves us. I think him and Emerson again yesterday. I think Jude said it earlier. Good, good to see them in. I still think the goal comes from. I mean, the goal comes from bad defending. I think Eric Dyer losing the man on the shoulder. How many times have we said that as well? Getting behind him, um, but that's just where Spurs are at the moment. And I think I'm. I think I'm all right with that. I think we got. We got. We should give credit to the team for beating a Villa side that have started the season quite well. You know, they went to Old Trafford last week and won there. Watkins and Ings, two of the kind of upper tier strikers in the league, certainly Ings. And I think for the most part, we dealt with them fairly well. So obviously this is like baby steps for Spurs. Like, yeah, we beat Aston Villa, so what? But I thought this has felt like an important win because you know if we'd lost, we'd go into the international break and it really is all doom and gloom. Yeah, you say whatever, Sean, but I, d- I had a look around at what people had predicted, various pundits and people in the media predicted this and I- no one had a Spurs win down. Everyone had a draw. Everyone had a one-all. And so to get the win and to go into another international period in a fairly decent state with, as as you mentioned, Ben, more chances for, for Kane. Son probably having his best game so far. I spoke to you earlier, Ben, and I said, I think yesterday was the first time we I'd seen Nuno put in a tactical system that allowed Son to thrive. And I think that that was really clear yesterday that... It was like creating spaces out there for those two to, well, for him specifically to, to because Lucas is coming inside a lot still, for Son to get one-on-one with his fullback and to get on the ball all over the pitch. And I think that's why he had his, his best um, his best game. And I honestly think it's one of those that he hasn't found a way to get Kane and Son involved in yet. And that's why we're struggling. Yeah, I think that's right. I think 
Everton, sorry, Villa's worst performance of season to date was probably the uh, would probably Watford. have been the Watford one on the opening day yeah. of the season, and they really sort of mm. that just didn't look anything like what we've seen. Even when they lost to Chelsea, I thought they were brilliant in that game. That like they they opened Chelsea up a lot and had a lot of big chances, and the scoreline didn't actually reflect the game at all. So when you consider that, I think. We'll, this will be one that we look back on as a really, really good win that maybe doesn't necessarily, won't necessarily get the credit that it, it should at the moment. Um, the same, like the same as I suppose for Arsenal fans looking at that draw with Brighton and Arsenal fans saying we should be beating Brighton. I think actually that, that's, that's a very, very decent point for Arsenal away. Um, let's go on to the bad bit. Sean, I'm going to let you upset everyone first and then we're going to have the right to reply. Come on. <laughs> <give it to us. laughs> okay. Um, so I tweeted yesterday during the game that my main gripe with um, Ndombele is that... So he played as a 10 yesterday, right? I said that he's not really a 10, but he's not really a 6 or an 8 either. And that's kind of problematic. Like he's got this kind of weird mixture of things that he can do. Like, yeah, he could play good passes between the lines. He can wriggle out of pressure well. He can carry the ball up the pitch. But some of his off-ball stuff, particularly as the game goes on and he gets tired, and he starts like hiding behind players and he start, starts like just not really wanting the ball as much. That's, that kind of causes some real problems. And he's been here, this is his third season now. I think he's had about three or four good months of football in total and I was just get, kind of getting frustrated. That upset the people that still believe in him and still think like he is kind of the answer. Like I'm not doubting this guy's talent and ability, but I just don't know where you kind of fit him into a football team like we want to be. It's really hard right now. Yeah, well, the first thing I, I would say um, is not about one of Sean's points. It's... Um... <laughs> Different Oh no! Anyway, completely different. Yeah, it's um, it's about Eric Dyer. No, it's not. It, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I, I want to say uh, is, oddly, um, I know a couple of people who are, were really anti uh, Tom Belay and and kind of to the point where they were, you know, they they were fully on the the anti-Ndombele side of the culture war and kind of despised him and have gone to games this season, obviously for the first time in, in 18 months or whatever. And these are two different people and they've both come away saying, oh, actually, having been to a game, um, I sort of see what all the fuss is about. He's, he's much better to watch <laughs> in person. And, you know, there's there's just something about him. So I think um, it's... It's not related to what Sean said, but I think that was interesting. And to respond to Sean, I kind of think he's a six. Like, I, I just kind of think he's, he's the most press-resistant midfielder in the league when he's you know, at his best. And you, you kind of want him in there, you know, picking up the ball from the centre-backs in the way that uh, Moussa Dembele did so well for Spurs and then kind of progressing it up the pitch. I think that's the role he should be playing. But I totally get why successive managers want him at 10 because his off-the-ball stuff, as Sean says, is still not there. Um, our, my solution would be to start him at six and and bring on the Celso for him um, after 55 minutes. I just think it was, really, it was right. Like, it's the only thing you can do, really, until he gets um, fitter, if, he, if he's ever going to get fitter. 
It's a bit, of, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because Skip and I think four two three one is going to be the way that Spurs need to go after watching a few of those, well, those three defeats when they shipped nine and the midfield was sort of all over the place. They can't be having another midfield like they did against Arsenal when it was Tangy and Delhi as part of that three. So it's just sort of who's going to scrap it out for that little spot a bit further ahead if you know if it's going to be in Dombele, La Celso or Delhi. Um, but I, I sort of agree. I'd like to see some, you know, coming from a goals and assists platform, one of those three properly like putting the hand up and contributing and maybe getting towards 10 goals a season, something like that. But, um, but, but yeah. yeah. Oh, so I would have had uh, Ndombele in the bad yesterday. But for me, it was for a very different reason. And it's kind of almost beautiful at the same time. Because yesterday I felt like his dribbling and his range of passing was way off. Like it was, he lost the ball a lot of times in really potentially threatening areas for Spurs. His recycling of possession could have been way better. But the reason why I think that's good is because it was notable for the fact that he was given the ball away. And I think people sometimes take for granted just how good he is on the ball. And criticising him when he has a day like that, I think is completely fair enough. Um, but what I'm so used to hearing already, since we've had fans back in, is, is when he takes a little bit of time to try and find a really, really crisp pass that breaks lines, people get like, oh, he's slowing things down. And I think they just, they just may be a, not on his wavelength and are not seeing what he's seeing. Mm. But, but yesterday he was, I mean, I don't know whether I'm being a tad unfair, Hunter, but I actually felt like he was actually better yesterday in terms of work rate than he was in terms of quality on the ball. Mm. Well, I had, I had quite a similar sort of um, experience to what Dan's talking about in that I had a bunch of old guys sitting behind me at the last game who clearly started the game with the, with the sort of, they'll go, well, he doesn't run, does he? He doesn't move, blah, 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 blah. It can't be us. And, then five, five, and bear in mind, this is the game we lost 3-0 to Chelsea. They were like, he's the only one putting in work. He's the only one who wants it, blah, blah. So I think, yeah, it's certainly a misconception that he doesn't put in the hard graft. He does it. But I think, yeah, there's a limit to what, what he can do. So you just have to be realistic with that within that sense. I it's always find such an ugly gait as well, hasn't yeah. he? <laughs> he runs like look, he runs like me when I was really fat. So that's yeah, what like that's what I'll say. Like yeah. he's literally carrying luggage. He moves like he's got cramp all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's slumped. He's got yeah, like you're 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 right. And people, you know, look at that and body language experts, as we all are, all appear to be over the last sort of month, um, will say that oh he's not trying. When obviously that's not true at all. Um, I think I also think with a player like Ndombele, because of his brilliance, the temptation is to move him closer to the goal, closer and closer to the goal, closer and closer. But all that does for me is it takes away the space that he's he's brilliant in and can work in. And I don't actually remember a game that he's played as a ten and really thrived. I'm I'm in the, the same camp as Dan in that I think he's a bit of a a risky six, if you will, like. I think further up back in the pitch where he, he gets a little bit more time on the ball, but also can see the whole game um, is where he's most effective. And and I think the reason why he had a bit of a stinker is because in that area, he has to move the ball on so much quicker and he doesn't want to. And he, he, that's not how he plays the game. So um, I, I understand Sean, Sean's point. Go on, Dan. I was just going to say, it was exactly the same argument about Dembele, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. People saying if he can beat two men in his own half and he can beat two men on the edge of the box and score loads of goals and get assists and it just never worked like that. He was a six. And I, mm. I just do think Ndombele is a six, but I totally accept Sean's point that it's, and your point, that it's a bit of a risk. A risky six. There. Yeah, <laughs> it a makes, risky it makes... six. I like a risky six. <laughs> yeah. I don't want Skip, Skip and Hoiberg to have to babysit him. You know, you want him in there with one of them. Yeah. Um, and, and that means the other one can't play. You know, that's, that would be my preference, but well, who, I, I who get why Nuno's not going for it. If it is in Lombele and say Hoybier, who plays in front? I mean, that's the one that that's pro- that's where we've struggled all season, and that's where we struggled that's all last problem, season. Yeah. We'd never replaced Christian Eriksen, who ne- who rarely. I mean, he often played from the left anyway. But do you not, do you not see Lucas Moura pulling the strings on Sunday? I mean, come on! I, I look. We saw <laughs> Lucas Moura play as a ten under Mourinho, and actually, and actually, be all right at it. But if you say to me. Do you want Lucas Moore? In all, in, all, in all seriousness, he was kind of doing the Ericsson role on Sunday, which is why mm. I said it. I Did thought it he was, draw, he was, he was well. tucking in mm. from the right and just picking up the ball and, and trying to kind of um, pick out the forwards. And I thought, oh, if there's ever a sign of Spurs regression, it's going from Ericsson <laughs> to Lucas Moore. Well, he did it that, in, in the second half against Arsenal. That's the only person who was on the ball was, was Lucas Moura. And he was doing exactly that, cutting in from the right-hand side and sort of standing in the 10 position, which... Um, I'd, yeah. I'd like to see Brian Hill doing that kind of job because I do not believe that he's going to be a touchline winger in the Prem. Well, he said the other day in his interview, didn't he say that he's mm. the, a left winger, an out-and-out left winger? Yeah, I'm just I, like, I, I, like, he was not outpacing any of the NS Moura players. It's like, you're not going to outpace anyone in the Prem. You're not going to get that kind of space that you want. Famously a very quick team, NS Moura. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, for me, I think it's a, I think it's a signing, and I honestly believe that it was, a, it was a mistake not going a little bit harder on Damsgaard. I don't, I don't know just how hard we pushed on it, but I think when you think about sort of not like for like replacements of Ericsson, but he's a, he's a similar player to Ericsson and a player that we clearly need. I, uh, I suppose another thing with the idea of Lucas dropping in there he did it a few times in pre-season I don't know if you remember but we tried to do this very very direct sort of bounce pass off Lucas where he would come mm. from wide and then slot into the middle and then just ping a ball into him and he'd try and release some of first time which I was quite impressed with in pre-season but then again you have to remember that he's playing against League 2 League 1 at best championship opposition but the other thing with that is that it's really worried me at times how narrow we've been this season when you sort of sit a little bit higher up and you suddenly see, oh my God, we're playing with a flat midfield three that is central and a flat forward three, which is central. And then you've got no width whatsoever. And then you see at the weekend, Sonny getting into wide areas and kind of beating people. You think, I just can't face the idea of us going back to that really rigid, super direct style of football. We just try and hoof it between three lines straight away. Sean, I can tell I'm paining you with this. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just wincing thinking about it. Yeah, it's unsustainable that though, isn't it? And, yeah. and honestly, he won't keep his job if he does that because they've mm-hmm. spoken too much now about the DNA and the style of football. And I don't think, I don't think it's since like 2003 since we sort of tried like hoofing it long and just, I'm just praying. So, you know, I, I think he realizes that. Who knows? He's an intelligent enough guy. Uh, he d- has said a couple of things that have. What was it? The I, what he said recently about look, I understand what the DNA is. I hate saying that. And he was saying, but sometimes you can't do that. And I was like, 
well, I feel like that might be the defining factor about whether you keep this job or not, basically. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see, you know. It's a, gr- it's a really good win. We're in a good position, but he needs to decide on the formation and the style of play, and he needs to start really making it clear in the next sort of three or four games because we, we've got some tough fixtures coming up as well. So let's do in the ugly then that that style of play and, and kind of the way in which we're trying to create these these attacking patterns, which so far have been difficult to come by. The 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 moment that jumped out to me straight away was after about twelve minutes, and Romero's on the edge of his box, and he looks up. And there's absolutely no one anywhere near him for about 40 yards. And he starts gesturing to people sort of 60 yards out of the pitch saying like, come on, give me an option. And it wasn't just the fact that he didn't have that option that was worrying. It was more the fact that the crowd then picked up on that straight away. And you felt this real unease. Everyone sort of almost, I I don't know how you would describe the noise, Dan. Do you Mm. know the bit that I'm talking about, the game? I can't recall the exact moment you're talking about, but But I can imagine it. it. It's discontent. Yeah, and it's (laughs) it's sort of like a real kind of people sort of on edge, like... Well, and it also from <laughs> right. that from that moment, Hainsey, I think he he forces a ball then out to Emerson, who loses it. So that's the you know that's the risk of having fans in the stadium is they are going to get on you for that sort of thing because we saw it last week against Arsenal and it wasn't wasn't pretty and people don't want to see it. I I think when we we sort of watched some bits back, didn't we? And that looks like it was more of a bad turnover of play and the midfielders hadn't moved quickly enough to sort of get into the position because that wasn't where they were supposed to be. But I do wonder, I know we were having this conversation earlier on about the, the two midfield. I wonder whether it's almost a case of just saying to Hoybier, look, like, forget about any, it's brilliant that he scored, but forget about any of the attacking stuff. Like, mm. Do you remember under Poch when we had Eric Dyer sort of playing DM and then just slotting in between the two centre-backs? I'd almost be quite happy for Hoybier to do that. Just limit him and say, you don't need to go more than five yards beyond the halfway line. Just do that job. Secure us. I mean, do you think... This is how we unlock Ndombele. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to spend the next five years talking about unlocking Ndombele like like Man United fans (laughs) do. It's already started. (laughs) How do we unlock him? Yeah, I know what you mean, Hainsey. I, I will always go back to the thing that, yes, Eric Dyer did slot into the centre-backs nicely, but he was playing with Moussa Dembele, who, who made lots of bang-average centre-midfielders look really good. So I just thought we were a little bit more secure when people went to counter-attack against us, and it gave us a bit more of a platform. you know. And mm. also, Eric Dyer at that point was a lot more mobile than he is now as well. I mean, I think you can kill the 4-3-3. That's, put it in the bin. Lock Great. it and <laughs> never do it again because it just hasn't worked. Uh, and it didn't work, you know, when, when Poch was trying to play that weird diamondy fourth, it was four one two one two sort of thing, wasn't it? And that didn't work. And it was, it almost feels a bit like that where it just teams just can't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And I think, yeah, like I said, next few weeks we need to see like, okay, it's four, two, three, one. And this is how we're going to try and play. And find a ten. It's it's kind of um, it's really really strange, isn't it? Going into the international break, Sean, off the back of having had a result where you're like, oh, we're back on track, but then suddenly you lose momentum as well. It's been such an ugly period, 
And then you think just as we might turn a corner, it's almost a really, really massive annoyance that we now get two weeks where potentially we see players go away. I mean, Nuno said it in post-match, didn't he? He's like, I just pray that they come back healthy. Yeah, it's like that old kind of thing you get with FM, isn't it? Like you can't end on a bad result, but when you keep, when you win, you need to keep winning. You need to keep that going. Um, <laughs> Next know, thing you uh, know, three yeah. days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying, especially because when you come back, cause, just because of the, the Conference League, we're going to have a million games this year anyway. So I haven't got another home game until the end of October. And that's Man United. Oh, boy. So yeah, so that and makes it that's going to make it seem like even longer as well. And by the end of that United game, who knows what the outlook's going to look like? You know, heading into the last international break, I don't think anyone expected us to be in the situation that we have been. So months a long time, it could all change. And Nuno's just got to hope that, like he said, the players come back fit and healthy, raring to go, and that in the meantime, he can kind of figure out what these attacking patterns are because I'm. I had never like heard the term attacking patterns used so much until about a year ago, and now I hear it every week about Spurs. Why? Why did it become so big a year ago, mate? Well, we had Mourinho, didn't we? The <laughs> <laughs> king that, of yeah. vibes. <laughs> but in that period, I mean, it, it, even then, when we were like, we don't really know what the attacking patterns are we were still putting teams to the sword. Like this is one of the things that I've chatted to a few people about in the, in the press box the weekend is that we were, we got a bit of fan fiction under Mourinho with that game where Bale scored twice. I think Kane scored, Lucas scored, maybe Son. We got everyone basically crammed in all our attacking talent onto the pitch. Um, But now it doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't, even now, under a different manager, I still can't really put it together. It takes time. That's the first. That's the first thing. Like these things do not happen quickly. Um, in terms of, especially in terms of what Sean's talking about, which is you know the sort of shapes on the field that that players know where to be. Considering we've changed the formation so many times players so many times I feel like we've used a lot of players this season that's what I mean about him starting to he needs to now settle and really push on with it I, I don't think any of us know if he's going to be long-term Spurs manager and that's probably the most damning thing of all like no no there's no feeling of like that win has done him it's it's definitely helped for now but it will be the same conversations if we have a really st- stagnant performance in a couple of weeks so it does but I also understand that it takes quite a while to get a team playing fluid attacking football. I think, I think Tuchel's big... still struggling to, yeah. to get it right at Chelsea, isn't he? Exactly. Uh, he, exactly. He fixed the defence immediately, but um, you know he's still not got the attacking patterns he wants there. So completely yeah. agree. And then and there's someone you know, I think people look at Graham Potter and go, "Well, why can't we have that?" Well, it's taken him a long time to put those into put those into place at Brighton. And even then, last year, they weren't scoring any goals. So you can have all the right patterns. It does take time. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there's sort of cloud hanging over Nuno of like, well, no one really knows if he's the right man for the job, won't help him. Yeah, it's one of those ones you sort of almost feel you'd like you have to earn it a bit. You, you have to earn the right and spend the time in order to make the tactical tweaks that you want and people just kind of blindly follow them. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it'll 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 take time. And um, I I can't recall what Wolves' major game plan attacking wise was um, under Nuno, but he did get the best out of players like Diogo Jota and Raúl Jiménez, and um, they were and Matt. <laughs> Dermatore had, had his best season ever under him. And the Dermatore, he was probably scoring goals under Nuno at that point, rather than now, which is just um, threat index and vibes on the wing with no <laughs> um, with no output. Expected vibes. Expected, yeah. Expected. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, I'm 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 sure if it all works out, I can get the best out of uh, Spurs' best attacking players. Okay, beautiful bits. I, I, one I wanted to throw out straight away, that flowing move where Harry Kane back heels the ball into mm. Lo Celso. I mean, that was outrageous, Hunter, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of those that, that one of those glimpses of, of, uh, of brilliant football that, that, I mean, these guys have absolutely quality. And I think that's, that's the thing that I think most, but annoys most Spurs fans more than anything is that we have seen them have brilliant moments over the last couple of years. That was a really, that was Kane just having fantastic awareness of where the other players are on the pitch because he's facing completely that way. And he's just like, I reckon if I back kill it that way, Lacelso's going, and look, Lacelso should have decided what to do when the ball was arriving to him and he sort of went for a cross shot, as we discussed. But yeah, just a really nice moment of high quality football. And, and as Dan said, we're getting shots, we're creating chances. It has been a while since we've, done that even in the games we won at the beginning of the season we weren't exactly blowing people away in our our big one nils so it was nice to see was there any other moments that people want to chuck into the beautiful because that's a resounding (laughs) i think i think that i i know we've already spoken about it but i think we do should really give the team a lot of credit for responding to the goal in that way and the type of goal as sean said it was it was it was point perfect from basically everyone from from kickoff it was perfect um you're not getting really you know, release it wasn't it yeah mm. and and give nuno some credit as well because I, he was saying i believe it was after the chelsea game he made a point in his press conference before would have been before the cup game i think or before arsenal that the team was not responding to setbacks well enough and it was something he was working on so it was really an area uh he had identified that the team was basically going a goal down or, or you know, conceding goals and then just crumbling. So I, I'm not going to lie, when Villa scored, I thought, here we go again. You know, yeah, 100%. The team's going to fold. Yeah. 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 And it, it was the exact opposite. So definite credit to the manager, definite credit to the players. And it definitely didn't look like that was a team that didn't really believe in their manager or didn't believe in his his plan and, and weren't playing for him. You know, they, they really picked themselves up and just went straight down the other end and and scored a great goal. So, yeah, credit all round, I think. And just in the same way, as I said, that it can be a downside that we go and spend two weeks away, it's an awful lot easier to do off the back of a win. It's an awful lot easier to kind of, like, stomach this next period of no no spurs when we've got a win right before we go and everything is just quiet for a little bit. And hopefully you can get... I mean, there's, there's a fair few very, very good players that are sticking around that are that are actually going to have some time back at, at Spurs, not least Deli Alley, who hopefully can, can just continue to build in his fitness and hopefully get a little bit of confidence. Uh, any more for any should more we? Games? I mean, should we touch on that? In the, not, Maybe not in the ugly, but the fact that he was dropped from the squad and, and we looked probably better for it. 
see, I didn't want to say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a proper. We need to talk about I mean, Delhi. I mean, it, it, it should be. In, it should be in the ugly. I think because and and you know that's not. I'm not to say it's it's particularly Delhi's fault. I think in that formation, Delhi probably plays all right in a ten. He's not going to. He's going to give you the same sort of output as Ndombele did yesterday. That's for certain. So. Uh, again, I think Delhi, as Harry Winks has, and a couple of other players in the last couple of years, is a real um, victim of system changes that, that, I mean, and getting lost in between the cracks of different managers' systems. And I've, I said it after the Champions League final, I wrote a piece for 442 saying Delhi Ali needs to decide now what he, what he is. And I feel like since then, it's been anything but that. And, and, uh, I'm not sure where we go from here because that team looked fairly, at least fairly functional where we haven't in the last few weeks. But it's worrying, isn't it? The others are scared to say anything. Well, De- <laughs> well, well Delhi was at his best when he was getting on the end of little little Ericsson crosses and knockdowns and bits like that where he could arrive late into the box and be the guy that if, if Kane didn't score, then he would. Um, and since that, well, since Ericsson's left, I don't think he's had the same uh, sort of supply from out wide. I'm still sort of waiting on like Emerson and like Regulon's got a good ball on him sort of every now and again, but it's not as consistent um, with quality going into the box. So I think he's, yeah, I think Delhi's been a real victim of not quite having that service anymore. And I don't know if he's going to be an out and out centre mid. This is the thing. I'm not sure if it gets the best out of his his qualities. I know he, he can run for days, and even if he is supposedly lazy, he still gets through loads of work. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of look at him now and I think, you know, what are you? What are you? I don't know what you are. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sean? Uh, yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? Like it's not a good correlation for him in that. I don't think he was great against Mora even despite the goal and winning the pen or whatever. And he then we played. angry when he kept, we're not angry. Yeah, he, he, did, he did. Yeah, he didn't look happy with it, did he? Um, but yeah, like like Hunter said, like, if, do we get any worse with Delhi in the 10 years than Dombele? Probably not. And then again, we're having a different kind of conversation. But I do think him realising that in this last week that he's not undroppable, he's not, that, he, that his place in the squad is up, is up for grabs. Hopefully that's a good thing. Hopefully they, that, inspired him to kind of come back after his back because it did feel like since the start of the season it was like his kind of redemption arc and working his way back into the team like this is finally going to be the year in which he kind of comes back and it hasn't really been like that and then now in the last week we've seen more of what it's like without Delhi and I hope for his sake that he does take this to heart and he does really think and come back stronger from it Okay, right. Well, I think that is where we'll leave it for today. I'm not 100% sure whether we'll be podding next week because I imagine everyone will be so desperate to talk about nothing but England that we might not be able to wrestle everyone away from it, but we'll let you know I on that we're one. having to do more England. It's Jesus. So quick. It's, it's too quick. And there's going to be another one in November. Uh, I saw that I saw that it's the Euro Nations League semi-finals. I was like, what is happening? Is that still a thing? <laughs> Not another one? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the only part of Wenger's mad evil plan that I can get on board with is the idea of making kind of like 
international windows where people are kind of all in for a mm. bit and then all out again and just kind of let the let the football just happen. Uh, anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, if you haven't already, leave us uh, a review and a rating. That'd be very much appreciated too. You can follow all the guys on social media. Their links and their handles are in the description. We'll see you all in a couple of weeks' time when the Premier League is back. Have a great week. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.